Coach Dick Tone, Dick Tone Chapter Two, whatever you want to call it. But hey, this is his follow-up episode. We probably end up doing a number three. This is a very good episode. Um, you're you're gonna enjoy it. Um, but despite all that, uh, I'm here to tell you that you have a fee. Your fee is to share the show. And that's what we're asking you to do with every episode. You listen to an episode and you like it, there's something useful, you know, share the show and, and help another barebell archer get better. Um, that's what these podcasts are about and do your part by growing the sport, by sharing um, every episode that you listen to that um, you get something from. That's it. All right. Here it is. Enjoy. See you on the next one. I think then um, anybody I can put a name to to promote our sport. The archer who owns all the world records, John Demmer III. You know, the more difficult a thing is, the more important the mental game becomes. I, I didn't eat any supper yet either. How about you either. guys? Do you guys eat yet? I didn't eat Oh, that. you know, uh, I got some crunch berries. Oh, yeah. Grayson Parlow. It's like me taking three or four years off your eyes just because I weakened that prescription in the shooting eye. And don't put everything into my shot that I should. That I get a lot of drop on those heavy arrows. He's dropping all the way down. He said, well, you might want to think about going to a lighter arrow in the spring walking. And then that's what got that started. Yeah, that so, fire extinguisher you have up there in the corner. Yep. Now, I had, I had two of those from the old Ben Pearson number one building. Really? And, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know what happened to them. I was going to clean them up, and you know, because they're kind of neat, but I don't know what I did with them. So. Oh, well, if you want to ship one of those to Orangeburg, Pennsylvania, you, I'll pay, I'll pay good money for one just to say yeah. it was from the Ben Pearson factory. Yeah, they were um, pretty good. Yeah, I have two of them. I collect, well, I mean, you can see that's actually my fire helmet. Mm -hmm. um from a few years ago when we went to the tupperware i eventually went back to my leather fire helmet that yeah. has been in like some of my profile pictures and stuff but that's actually my my tupperware helmet i call it because it's plastic it's called the ben franklin two, and it's you can kind of see a dark spot on it that's actually burn marks from yeah. from structure fires and stuff and the inside okay. of that helmet broke um mm -hmm like the the one they have like a like a construction hat and uh -huh. you you turn it on the back they have those in them and that one broke which is why it's hanging there i could never i can't use it i went back to my my leather helmet which is um it's good, just a, it's a karen's is the company those things when i bought my leather it's probably back in uh, i'm gonna say 99 maybe that was like a 350 dollar helmet right the leather the helmet that you see, you know, uh, in most movies and stuff like that, that helmet now goes for almost a thousand dollars, brand new. Yeah. Oh my gosh, crazy. it's crazy! Yeah, it's 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 wild. Um, but anyways, this is probably the this is uh, this is probably the most frequently asked. When are you doing part two? question that i have had from multiple people we want dick tone back on the podcast because they were so intrigued with the history and the things that we talked about in in the first episode so this is episode 55 
with Dick Tone. This is chapter two of Dick Tone. We are going to talk about um, sort of Dick's coaching career as in like some of the shooters he's worked with and the things that he's learned along the way. Um, and we're going to talk about the natural shot cycle. We're going to talk about how Dick has come. I keep hearing a, a like a, a sound in the background. Somebody that's that's watching the live feed right now, I think Christian Wilder is two things. One, let me know about the audio. And if you're hearing a clicking sound in the background, I'm not sure. I don't hear anything. Okay. Maybe it was just, maybe it was me or maybe it was, you know, we're having severe rain and wind right now. So it could even be my internet acting funny. Um, but anyways, continuing on. And then we're going to talk about how Dick has kind of come to um, being this, the, the, not basically how he coaches and what he coaches um, and why really is what, is what the discussion is. Um, I was, I've, I said it before and I'll say it again. I was honored to meet Dick officially for the first time uh, at a seminar at the Lancaster Archery, at Lancaster Archery Supply. Rob Coffold invited me, got to come down. Um, Casey spoke a little bit, Justin Hewish spoke a bit and Jay Bars was there as a, as a co-instructor with Dick. Um, Jay is now also coaching himself. Uh, we text frequently cause he asked me verbo questions. Um, and you know, and Dick and I text a lot too, and, and we bounce things off of each other and I bounce more off of him than not. Um, and, and since we've started talking, I've started making even some changes in my own shot, um, to sort of, I don't know how not to make the natural thing cliche, but to not fight what the bow wants to do that's the only way i can explain it so with that being said dick welcome back yep good to um, be here let's start with you know early on i guess who where some of your with whom you were working with and those the things that you've learned along the way i guess is really where we we're going to start this tonight you mean the people i was coaching early yeah, like early on, some of your some of your most, you know, um, as you coach people, you develop a skill as a coach and you develop then shooters start to develop in front of you. We know. I mean, I just mentioned some of them. I want you to go through that process because there's other shooters that you've coached um, a few young people that kind of is what which resulted in you end up coaching Casey. Um, let's talk about that. And, and the success that you have found and why and what are the things that you've picked up on that have made them successful okay well <clears throat> I, I guess the the coaching philosophy if you want it um uh it, it stems back and i think i mentioned the two three of this before it stems back from when i was in canada trying to shoot myself and uh, there were no coaches and you learn from some watching other shooters or you get a pointer once in a while and being a young man you know not knowing what's going on in target archery uh, I just listened to what everybody said and it was it, it got confusing and I was looking in the archery world magazine and I found a, uh, a guy named Dave Keggy uh, senior who wrote articles and he had a book coming out called power archery and I thought, well, I'll order it. It was a dollar. I mean, I'm, I can spend a dollar, right? This is in, uh, you know, the late 50s, early 60s. And uh, I think about 1960 when this came out. And I got the book and I read through it and it, it kind of made sense. 
you know. Um, it wasn't it wasn't everything that I teach, but it had a lot of things in it that made sense to me as far as the physics of the shot. Um, and I attempted to to do what he said. And um, I, even though I did it wrong a lot, um, it was it was better than anybody else in Canada could do it. Right. You know? And uh, and consequently, I basically won everything up there for six years. And um, uh, and along the line, you know, I would have people ask me, well, what are you doing? And uh, one of them was uh, Joan uh, Galley at the time. Now it became Joan McDonald, who actually coached the Canadians for 30 some years, you know, wow. after I left. All right. And uh, she and I won the 1964 Canadian Nationals. And back then you had a target uh, day, two days, and then you had uh, archery golf and you know, clout, stuff like that. And then you had two days of field and you had a target champion, a field champion and an overall champion. And, um, and so I won all three and uh, my total was just just right around 400 points higher than the second place. Yeah. So I figured out I was doing it correct. I would and, say so. And then I moved to I moved back to the state then um, and uh, met a guy named Al Henderson who had an archery shop there in Phoenix. Is your is your hand sliding over your computer by chance? Could be, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was part of the hitting the mic or something. Go ahead, you're good. You're good, no worries. Well, anyway, uh, Al was a fairly uh, well-known coach at the time, and I wanted to try to make the U.S. archery team. So we hooked up, and I bought another bow and, and started working with him, and he didn't agree with my philosophies. So we kind of butted heads, heads a lot. Long story short, I made the team, went to and shot the world championships and all that kind of stuff. But once I was done with that, uh, and I, I moved back to, I moved to California and started shooting over there. I went back to what I was doing and um, I ended up getting to know the Easton people real well, worked for them. And I was, had lunch with Doug Easton one day and a guy named Chester Say. And I did not know Chester other than the fact that he was a friend of Doug's. <laughs> and um, he was kind of a neat guy to talk to. I also didn't know he had written a book. And this book was written in 1930 called Shooting the Longbow, the Relax Method. Hmm. So I got a copy of it and I looked at it and I says, well, this is just what Dave Keggy teaches. Well, it was an early version. So what Dave had done, and I talked to him about it afterwards, he says, yeah, he says, I just kind of took what he, he had done and made it and added some new things. He added the, you know, the open stance, a few other things that you see pretty prevalent nowadays. Mm -hmm. and um and uh we started you know teaching his son and his son went down to jones beach in 1963 16 year old kid and kicked everybody's butt at the national target you know and shooting this method and and you know everybody says well you can't shoot that way because it's this it's that and so on and so forth and he said well you just you just beat everybody you know but we had the same discussions like you and I had. Well, no, you have to do this, you have to do that, and so on and so forth. Well, it's not true. Um, you, know, you, you have two things involved in 
shooting a bow and arrow. You have biomechanics, you have physics, right? And you have to marry the two. If, right. you, if you don't, you're going to have a problem. Everybody says you got to do biomechanics, this and that. Well, the physics are pretty simple. Is that when you pull on the bowstring, the bow puts pressure against you, right? right? Mm-hmm. And you, your, your, your body reacts to that. Right. So the biomechanics reacts to the physics of the bow. Right. Not the other way around. Right. So if you if you understand that part first, then it's real easy to figure out. You know, this is what should happen. Okay. When you shoot an arrow. So over the years, you know, watching people, watching top, and I was always watching all the top shooters when I would go to Cobo Hall to. Uh, shoot and you know the biggest indoor tournament at the time or the nationals or whatever I went to uh, whenever I got done shooting I'd go and find the the best shooter on the line and I'd sit and watch him you know and I know you've probably done the same thing oh absolutely right I want to know what they're doing and you know one of the things I found on and I just watching them is that they all had a certain rhythm and they had only had a certain timing right those that were struggling we're not shooting well. Yeah. We talked of all the top shooters did the same thing every time they had a, uh, uh, what do we call it, a system or uh, a process, shot yeah, process. Same process, the same, the same movements, and, the, and it's all, you could time it right down to the second. And that, I thought that was really interesting, um, not knowing that, you know, later on that would become a focal point, really. In, when you get to the top target archers, okay? Um, so anyway, that was, you know, kind of how I started doing all this. Um, and then, you know, I had guys like Steve Lieberman who actually lives there in, uh, in Reading, okay? okay. He, lived, he was going to ASU and uh, I was working with him and he, um, he, was, he was, you know, several US team members, you know, international, uh, intercollegiate champion several times, one of the top shooters in the country for years, okay? Um, so, and then I had at that time, even working for Henderson, I'd have 20 to 25 kids every Saturday, you know, five bucks a lesson and <laughs> work with them for a half hour, an hour and, and go on to the next one, you know? And um, it, it was fun. And I, you know, I, I had uh, people like um, Terry Pesho, and I started with her when she was eight. And at age 19, she was the first or the youngest person to ever win the national target hmm. okay, in the senior division. Now, yeah. she'd won it in all the other divisions, too. How, how old was she? She was 19 at the time. Okay. Of course, Casey yeah. has eclipsed that many times over, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just, that's it's what I was leading to, yeah. And, and I have pictures of her shooting in in Vegas in the in the 70s. And it's, you know, she's just a little eight year old girl, you know, but uh, it, it was it was fun to see you, you do it this way. And, and, and I'll get you a Baskin Robbins uh, deal for ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> OK. And she shoot all in the middle, you know. So yeah. it, and then her uncle um, uh, was 10. She was eight. And he, Marty Swinsky, and he went on to, you know, at 12 years old, he tried out for the U.S. team, almost made it. Wow, so, that's awesome. He was, he was standing next to Stonebreaker. Okay. 
That's funny. That's yeah. Funny. So it was kind of funny, you know. So and I can't remember all of them. Um, quite a few Olympians uh, that we've had, uh, and we've had some success in the Olympics. Um, with Jay Bars winning the gold and, and individual silver team, and then Debbie Oaks winning a bronze, mm-hmm. and, uh, and those were fun times, of course. And probably my most memorable, and you know, uh, was watching you know, the last arrow go in the middle and it was over. You know, right, right. Those are the fun times. You know, yeah, that's and awesome. Then, you know, uh, I work with U.S. teams from 1981 to I don't know 19. 90 something and uh, um, my last worth of team was in, in 92 when I did the Olympics and uh, the politics and the you know, kids growing up and the business and everything I just kind of got out of it and really didn't do anything until I guess 2008 was when I kind of got back into it yeah there was a there was a big time there that but you know I didn't you know didn't do any coaching, and I and I watched what happened to the U.S. program, and how it declined, and how we quit winning, and all the rest of it, and uh, you know when you know when I was working with him and and Tim Strickland who was a really good go- coach, mm-hmm. and he had the same philosophy, taught the same way, um, when he was there doing it. I mean we had some really good shooters. But Denise Parker was was his, all right. Yep. He worked with her, and she was our best shooter, and, and held all the records, all of them, until Casey came along. Yeah. Literally, all right. They both are left-handed too. <laughs> yeah, there's something about those lefties. I don't know. Well, it's crazy, you know. Jay was left-handed, so it's yeah. it's crazy. Well, Maggie that I coach is left-handed. There you go. Yeah. And so is Nola. Who? Or, yeah. So is Nola. She's a young lady. She just won nationals for her first time this year and broke the Bowman Barbo record. Someone with those lefties. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I mean, um, look at Samantha Henson. She's left-handed. Yep. She, exactly. Yep. Really good shooter. Shoots with Casey all the time. Yep. Um, but uh, so, it, it, so the philosophy, you know, kind of changed over the years as you watch them shoot. And, um, you know, I get a kick out of when I first started working with Jay, uh, he had moved from, uh, well, he had gotten an ASU scholarship. He had been, he had been shooting for uh, uh, one of the junior colleges in Colorado. And I knew his dad, uh, Jack Lyons and Dot, and uh, I'd been up there hunting. I knew him from tournaments and stuff and but i never really met jay until i went up there bear hunting and <laughs> and you know got to meet him and watch him shoot a little bit and i thought got some talent you know and then when he got a scholarship at asu um his dad called me up and said hey uh, uh, jay just got approved for a scholarship down there going to come to asu he says uh, can you work with him i says sure and I said, does he have a place to stay? He says, no. And I said, well, he can stay here until he finds some place. So he actually lived with us for about six months, you know, and uh, came down that summer and we started working. And that was 1982, I want to say. Okay. Uh, something like that. And, um, and, and if you look at the, the statistics of how long it takes to get from your start point to the podium, um, and we, we kind of started this when I worked with the Canadian teams, uh, a guy named Alan um, Bromps was doing this, it was called a gold medal profile. 
And what we were trying to do is figure out, all right, how long does it take? You've got the guy on the top of the podium. How sure. old is he? How long does it take? What's his daily training environment? What kind of coaching does he get? I mean, you know, the whole nine yards. And so we interviewed coaches from around the world to, to figure this out. Sure. It usually takes six to eight years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guy at the top of the podium, average age, 24. Really? Once you get past that, it goes my downhill real quickly. Crazy. Yeah, I bet, I, I bet you that's quite, yeah, quite the, uh, the yeah. declining. Uh, you have outliers, you know, you sure. have you know, different, you know, what's his name from uh, Italy and all the, I mean, you, you have guys that can shoot at an older age and can keep up with them. Yeah. Uh, but Johnson, Butch Johnson's another good one. Yeah. Uh, he's, he was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Butch Johnson. Lifetime Olympian. And, you know, he could just kill it. You know, he was one of the best we've ever had um but anyway um you know in 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 going through this and working with jay uh he had the ability to shoot but his body wasn't moving right okay he didn't he was fighting what the natural motion would be right and he's like really you want me to do this and i says yeah that sounds like jay <laughs> <laughs> and i i said okay he said, let's figure it out, you know. Anyway, so we spent a lot of time, you know, together learning how to shoot with, you know, let the body move naturally, mm -hmm. right? Um, consequently, when you do that, you have less injury, you're less hurt, and all the rest of it. Um, generally, injuries in archery are shoulder injuries, okay? Right. All right. And that is caused by either not having your body in the right positions at full mm -hmm. draw and or not knowing how to let down. And the worst part is with a compound. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because once you move it forward and, you, and it hits, I mean, it just tears up your right shoulder. Right. right. You have to learn to let down with both sides at the same time. Right. You know, otherwise you're going to get hurt. And you see, you saw a lot of that when people that are not, did not know how to use a clicker um, and they struggle through it and then they can't get through it and they let down. And then they try it again, and they let down. Pretty soon they've let down three or four or five times and it just tears up their shoulder. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it is not generally from shooting the arrow. It's generally from either letting down or having their shoulders in the wrong position when they're shooting. So that just, um, so anyway, um, where do we go from here? Um, well, I think, I think let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you've come to, you know, what are, what is it that you're teaching that is different? You know, what are some of the things that you've seen with Casey, for example? I mean, you came, into Casey and Connor Caulfield at a um they were a young young age like what 12 and 11 no 12 and 10 12 and 9 something they were relatively young when Rob was just like what are you doing different what is the difference and I've heard the story from you but like this is your opportunity I guess sort of to explain yeah what, yeah, what happened there is that when I started back doing a little coaching I was doing some um 
uh, some advanced classes at the in the indoor range here and um, you know some of the kids are like they wanted to be have individual lessons so I started working with them and um, one of them was a kid named Jackson Mirish who's one of our top three shooters right now or moving up anyway um, and the other and the other one that I ran into was kind of weird it was um, um, Gary Carter called me one day Carter release and he says my okay. best my best friend's granddaughter wants to learn to shoot archery would you help her out and I said well Jerry yeah you know I would and he says well she lives in the Phoenix area I'll give her your number or give her, her parents your number I'm sorry so they came over at the end of December. We gave her, they gave her lessons with me for Christmas. Okay. So after Christmas, they came over and I got to meet her and, you know, Jay was in town and everything. And we started working a little bit. Well, the second time she came, which was like the first week in January, you know, I watched her shoot and I have pictures of it and you can't believe how, how good it was. Right. So I started working with her and, you know, we, we, I always start people, the young ones like that, corner of the mouth. Sure. Right. Whether they have a sight or not, doesn't matter, but corner of the mouth up close, teach them the motion. Yeah. Yep. And it's funny if you put them in the right position, you say, let go. They already have the motion yeah. because it's natural. Okay. Right. If they, if, they, if they start themselves and they get in the wrong place, they don't have the motion. So it's, it's all about the motion of the body, right? And, um, and, and I have really good videos and documentation from every, uh, every part of her training all the way through. And we got to uh, about a year and I says, look, I says, if you can shoot a 285 at the 60 centimeter face indoors, she mm -hmm. was like 12, right? Then I'll sign you up for Vegas. Well, shot 288 nice. <laughs> after less than one year of shooting right so i took her to vegas and jackson also and uh she shot in the in the same division with casey there was 89 girls in that division and she won it and casey was fourth yeah she did not like that <laughs> i've known rob since he was a teenager i know you have yeah right so jackson who was the other kid i brought up there he was in connor's division and he shot like a 292 and 297 and won that division and we were standing there watching rob looked at me he says that kid ever miss and i says not often and he says all right you need to come and do seminar do a seminar for me at uh, at, at lancaster sure so well i haven't done anything like that since i worked with the teams back in the 80s you know yeah, yeah. But i'll put something together okay so that's kind of all that had all started. And my wife and I went and did the first seminar in May of 2016. Oh, so wow. Not that long ago, right? Mm. And it took them three months to get 20 people in the seminar. All right. And Casey was in there and so was Connor. And once I got done working with them, and then uh, at the hunting camp, uh, a few months later, I started working with Heather. Yep. To to show her how things worked and you know she was an ra good shooter yeah okay so, uh for for everyone that's so for the people watching and those who end up listening um dick is referring to heather file who is the 
uh, head coach for Lancaster Archery Academy. Um, he is Casey's basically Casey's full-time um, in-house coach there mm-hmm. um, with also with uh, Brian Brady, who also is, is pretty well versed in, I don't know if you've ever worked with Brian directly, but you know, I know Brian is, is a hundred percent behind what you teach and coach. Um, and Heather has, is, is with Casey every step of the way when, especially when Dick isn't available, um, you know, depending on what's going on. And, and so. we spend a lot of time, you know, either talking or texting or whatever. I just, you know, you know one of the things that I do at tournaments is, you know, I work, I, I don't always, you know, there's not a lot of coaching goes on. I mean, there's some, no. but, yeah. but you know, you're, you're observing. Yeah. And you're, and you're trying let's, to. Can, let's what, highlight that real quick. I don't mean to interrupt coaches. There's not a lot of coaching going on in that situation. And that's something I learned in other sports, but especially in archery, if you are a coach and you're hovering over your shooter, same for parents, please understand. <laughs> like they're at that hundred percent capacity effort. They need to be on focusing on what they're focusing on, not what you're doing and saying out of the mix. Anyways, continue. Go ahead. Sorry. Little rant. That's a little rant. That's like a pet peeve of mine, but you. Well, you know. Yeah. And, and I see it all the time, uh, but um, you, when you work with somebody in practice, right. And you're, you're working with them. They'll and they can stand there and practice and 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 shoot lights out, like they say. Anybody can be a scratch golfer on the driving range, right? Yeah. But when you go out and you know and shoot in a tournament, right? Things change. Your body changes. Your thought patterns change. Everything changes. And when you're coaching somebody, you can learn a whole bunch more by watching them in a tournament and let them make those mistakes. God, say it again. Trust me, it's a long way from the Olympic trials. Most of these tournaments you go to, it's not sure. it's not that big a deal, right? There's lots of tournaments, right? And if you can see the mistakes they make, it's easier to fix them the next time you work with them, okay? And you 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 talk with them after a tournament and 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 recount and everything that they went through and what do you think of this and you know and ask them the right questions and pretty soon they know exactly what to work on. Okay, and uh, I just you know, watched Casey a lot last weekend at the Arizona Cup, and uh, you know she was making some some big mistakes, and so I you know even though she was kicking everybody's butt, uh, she has an ongoing problem. And I mentioned it to her before the last end. I says, you know, eventually we're going to have to fix this. She says, yeah, I know. I says. Well, <laughs> Yeah. And so she went up there and did it correctly in the last end and finished with a 58. Right. Awesome. So then I forwarded all the information to Heather of San Jorge. Here's what has to happen. All right. Today I got a um, text from Heather that showed a target and the score of what she shot at 70 meter standing on a Bosa ball. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to know. I do want to know, but I don't want to know because I know where this is going. Go ahead. It was and, three, it was over three thirty. So, and to explain to everyone a little bit too. First of all, if you get a chance to take Dick's seminar, do it. 
um, there are repeatedly at Lancaster Archery Academy. Um, if there's an archery seminar that is worth taking, it is that one. One, two, during the seminar, we were made to shoot on BOSA balls as well as the, um, the small balance balls that go under each foot. Yeah, the discs. Yeah, the yeah. discs, which I have at my rage. You do not have the Bosa ball, but I do have uh, a dozen of the, the discs at my range. Um, and it is definitely something that's worth trying and worth adopting into your training. So, all right. So, continue. Oh, is this, is this the, the picture? You'll have to yeah. send, you'll have to text that to me so I can um, put it <laughs> in the, uh, the actual recorded podcast. That's impressive. Yeah, it was 70 meters on a Bosa ball. 70 meters. Yep. They got, she's got just a few in eight ring, all the rest are nines and tens, three thirty-two or three, something like that. So, I mean, not that this was part of the planned discussion, but what, what is, I know what it is, but can you explain why you use the Bosa ball to so much and, and what, what's the goal there well, um, from your yeah, standpoint as a coach? Sure, you know, it, well, the Bosa ball, first of all, is, is, is uh, something that will give you better balance. Right. Balance is so key in how the body works. If you're out of balance, you're going to use muscles to keep from falling over. Okay. And if, if you're shooting and you're out of balance, you're going to use muscles you don't need, and that's going to interfere with your shot. So I, it's that simple, right? Now, the first time I saw people, somebody shooting on these little discs, these balanced discs, yeah, I yeah. was the guy hitting golf balls off. Yep. I've and seen he, that before. Okay. Yeah. And he was not missing. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm thinking, damn, I wonder if we can do that with a bow, you know? So I, anyway, I got some of those and messed with it, but the Bosa ball is better because it's got a big flat surface on top. Right. Right. And, you know, it's, and that's round on the bottom and you can, uh, you know, make it uh, as stiff on the bottom round as you want or less if you're just learning how to do it. Uh, the great practice on, is you stand on that, right. And you use a stretch band to perform your shot sure. and it's a it, it it it's amazing how the, all the little muscles in your legs and your and everything are, are used and and when you get off it you feel like you're just planted on the ground you're the key like you can't move right yeah in her case i was watching her at uh, lancaster and then both at, and then vegas and she was kind of leaning forward and more than she should and it would get her she would get in her arms not on every shot but a lot of times you know and then she would struggle to get into the clicker and when she leaned forward all right to keep from falling over she'd bend her knees really okay well, think about it. you have to do yeah. some compensation right all right so now we have we we, we lost our base right and we we're all off balance right so, you know, we started right then after that to get back on the Bosa ball and shoot. And she was doing that indoors. But this is the first time Heather had her do it outdoors. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So so you're implementing that to, um, to not just for balance, for general balance. Yeah, but Posture and balance. Posture and balance. So you're forced to stay on the bosa ball and shoot an arrow into the to the highest level 
you're forced to be in a more vertical, more stable position. Yeah, your balance is controlled by your head position. Right. Okay, wherever right. your head is, I don't care what sport it is, as long as Absolutely. it's an upright sport, all right? Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you know, whether you're running or hitting a golf ball or whatever you're doing, tennis ball or ping pong, doesn't matter. Um, your head determines your balance. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Your head, your, head, your head position. So it's the heaviest part of your body, and you're you're holding it up and balancing it all day long. That's what you do. Yeah. Right? So you know we start in in our seminars and everything with that's the first thing we start with is balance. All right. And the the head is related to your posture, and that's related to your your base, your feet, and how your feet are. Okay. Um, if, if you're going to lift weights you know you have to have your feet in the right position to lift that weight. Right? Yep. Mm -hmm. It's the same with this, all right? So if you get your feet in the right position and you get your you get your torso in the right position, your head over your torso, uh, the rest of your body is relaxed, okay? And then you can perform the shot, okay? Yeah. So <clears throat> it, it makes it, complete that, sense. That's the first thing we, we do is, is balance. And you were in the seminar, you know that. Yep. Right. Everybody had to shoot on those little discs or a bolsa ball or something. And I was the first person to do it, if you remember. It actually didn't go too bad. I think even you were a little surprised, but it's you know, but it was it's so awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. So there's there's no question that I still was it wasn't great. And it forces you, it just it forces you to have to be in a better position to make the shot work and to mm -hmm. do it properly. Yep. Um, and I probably don't do it enough, to be honest with you, Dick. I probably don't. Oh, no. I know I don't. I know for a fact that I don't. So and as you get as you get older, everybody's the same. You lose your balance, your 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 ability to balance. Not the only thing you lose. You hear about old people falling down all the time. Okay? Sure. Absolutely. They yeah. lost their, their their ability to balance. Right. And if you remember, I showed in the clinic this old guy standing on a bosa ball right yeah 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 yeah. And he would stand on one leg and then he'd stand on the other leg and he was like 89 years old that was dave kagey oh okay yeah he had the book right so i mean if you keep up with it you can maintain your balance but as you get older and you see you know people out there in the master's division or older people anybody older than 24 really <laughs> you're going to start losing your balance you just are and so working on a bosa ball or get your balance disc or something like that uh, they have these boards you can stand on to and other things with the a disc on the bottom i, I like the bosa ball because it's a bigger base they have different sizes we get the biggest one and then you can uh, change the amount of air you put in it to make it easier or harder okay sure. so sure. Yeah, it, it's it's very it's perfect for archery so not so good for golf, but perfect for archery. Yeah. So, and just to kind of continue down part of this natural shot cycle and the things that you do to train, there's a specific thing that I've seen Heather do with Casey, and it's really involves her draw cycle right. and, and um, a specific pattern with her draw cycle. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that is um, and why, why it's such a focal point? Well, yeah, that, that's a pretty matter of fact, I thought it was pretty cool that um, when we had the um, 
COVID going yeah. on, you know, and we had the, the, the barriers between each person, the plexiglass. And Heather was working with Casey one day and tried to, she, she wrote on the thing and could show that cycle, which I have. I can send that to you if you like. Yeah, that would be great. And I'll put it, I'll put it right now in the podcast so people can see it. Let me find it here and I'll show Oh, I might you. even be able to share it. If you text it to me, I might be able to make it work that we can like interactive, throw it up there, but you can, you can, can kind of continue yeah. explaining the, what that focus was there. All right. There, there you Just, go. All right, everybody. Thank you for bearing with us, um, you know, technology and stuff. So, so this is, this is what I was talking about. Um, this is during COVID um, Lancaster had, this is Lancaster Archery Academy uh, at Lancaster Archery Supply, one of our sponsors, shameless plug. Um, and this is obviously the wonderful Casey Coffold and they had these barriers up. So between coach Heather and Casey is a, a barrier with a plexiglass window. Um, I'm pretty sure that these are probably nearby all the time at Lancaster now for, for this exact purpose. So we're, I'm going to play this through, um, Dick, and then you, why don't you talk about what was happening here? Okay, what, this shows the direction and of her draw hand as she comes into anchor. Everybody thinks you pull straight back. Yeah. But if you, if you notice, her hand goes up and down, right? Yeah. First thing you notice, the other thing you notice is her draw elbow always stays above the arrow. Right? And what's the significance of that? That allows your scapula to move around towards the spine. And it puts you in a position of strength in your back. So if you do that, if you just, anybody that's watching, you just take and make that motion with your arm, you can feel your scapula moving around. Yep. And that, that's a natural motion that you would make uh, if you were going to try and start the lawnmower or anything like that. I mean, that's what the body would do to move uh, an object like that. Right. Now, the other side, the hands move together. We don't want the hands to do the same thing. All right. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Because what happens if you have one hand doing one thing and one hand doing the other, right? They, they're not in concert with each other. It's very hard to perform a shot. Okay. So if you play the second video, it just shows you the movement of the hands. Okay. Let's, I'll pull that one up right now. The bow hand. Let me pull that one up right now. There's also a line on the plexiglass there, and you can see how the hand moves up that line, and as it comes down, it moves slightly forward. See that? Sure. Sure. Right. And, so, and, and kind of elaborate on that, Dick. All right. So that hand is moving. It's the same height and the same time as her draw hand. And what happens is as you draw the bow, your shoulders naturally move around to brace it because again, as sure. you pull it, the bow is putting force against you. And in order to get the full draw, you actually naturally will move your shoulders around to a parallel position with the arrow to brace the bow. Okay. Yep. And when you go up to load your back and come down, you also have a little bit of leverage coming down. So you have the leverage with your shoulders moving and you have leverage coming down at the same time. Very interesting. So you have leverage going both directions. 
Okay. Now, you play the other one, it shows the whole thing. Okay. All right. So here's the full shot right here. There you go. Yep. That's it. And you'll notice both hands move at the same time. And they're coming down at the same time. So when she comes and gets into anchor, her bow hand and everything is or is everything at the right level. Sure. So um, she can pick up the target quicker and continue her motion and move right through the clicker. Yeah. We and and that's a that's that's been a thing that I have talked about. Um, I actually started that discussion before I took your seminar, but taking your seminar solidified it a little bit is that same principle of keeping that same tension sort of on both sides of the body, having that movement be you in unison and not, not having like a draw hand that flies way out here. And then like basically the principle of Greg grabbing your bow or having your, you, they're going to want to work it together and, and follow that same pattern. And that's, that's cool that, that that's something that you're applying in the Olympic recurve as well, which makes complete sense. Um, right. And, and the other thing you notice is that she is not, once she lets go, she's not trying to control anything. Sure. Yep. The, the first motion of the bow is back towards the hand. All right. And it does not start forward until that arrow's long gone. I wish I could slow motion this right now, but I can, I can pause and, play and pause you can go it frame at a time like that and you'll see that the arrow is long gone before anything starts moving forward so let's see here there's there clickers all right clickers off frame by frame well the frame skipped but it's yeah. showing the bow going forward yeah, it's going forward, but it hasn't done anything other than move towards the target, which right. is what we want. Right, 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 right. right. The first motion after the arrow's left is that the 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 pressure from the body reacting to the bow is down that line of force. Right. And, and it will go straight towards the target or straight down that line. Yep. And then your triangles full, close up and it'll the gravity takes effect on the bow. And the, the arm just follows it down and to the right. Right. And, and then, uh, and now, and, and so to, I'm sorry, Dick, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so, and we, we talked about this a little bit. You're going to have a little bit of, you're not going to have a little bit. It's going to be a lot of a change. The dynamics of, of a bare bow where you don't have the stabilizers, you don't have the sight that movement's going to change a uh, a little bit because you don't have that big explosion with the bow swinging out and down. The physics is the same, but because of the way the bow set up, it's not going to have the same movement. Well, you have all your weight at the bottom, which right. causes the bottom of the bow to kick out. But it's still, if you're using a bow sling, it's still affected by gravity. Right, 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 right. right. It wants to mm -hmm. go down. Right. And, you know, it, the body, the shot of, for the body hasn't changed a bit. Okay. Right. So it, what the body does and everything. Um, and when you shoot it, well, who was it? Uh, Jack Williams. They had him shoot at the indoor nationals at the indoor finals. He shot some bare bow. Somebody was showing him how to do it. Yeah. It was me and John Demmer. Right. <laughs> 
He did yeah. pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, he did good. Yeah, he yeah. did good. He he would. Um, I think anybody that's got some elite level training, because yeah. their shot is going to be so repeatable, and they're so committed to the same mental pattern, they're going to be okay. Yeah. I don't think they're going to blow the 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 doors off the off of a score or anything like that. At least not in the beginning, because there's still an adjustment to it. Yeah, um, learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely a um. I, in my opinion, there's definitely like there's a there's a conscious mind, a state of conscious mind that you need to be into a little bit longer in barebow in comparison to Olympic, just because that clicker really does help a lot. Um, but, you know, there's other ways that you can do that with string blur and other, you know, other, you know, mental processes, the way you can think about it and stuff like that. So. But it wouldn't take somebody like, like, well, Justin Hewish shot my bow at Lancaster. I mean, it looked like he'd been doing it for years. It didn't so, take him yeah, no. and it, there's no question. There's no question that somebody, but their mental process, you know, Casey, Jack William, uh, Justin, I'm sure, you know, they're so into their shot. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of barebow archers miss out on is that they, they worry. I mean, we all have target panic to a, to a uh, capacity, but they worry about a lot of times they are worrying about just the wrong stuff yep. and, and to try to drive home that message of, and sometimes I think it's, it's just a lack of confidence in like everything, like everything from the way they tune their bow to the amount of practice that they did. It's just, there's such a, a lack of, of, of confidence in all of those things. And ultimately they don't realize like how much of a negative impact that has when you comes to the moment of truth, when you have to put it all, you know, to the test. Um, And we talked about that a little bit during your seminar, you know, with the way you talk about like the mental game, you talked about like, get your affairs in order, like do that stuff. Like that, that's something that I adopted into my seminars. I call it the building, uh, the building blocks of the mental game. But that was one of the things I kind of like adopted into my mental game discussion was saying like, you need, you want to have the utmost confidence in what you're doing. Well, you explain it. You, you explain like those things, like what you've done with Casey with the Olympic trials and, you know, yeah, about the whole idea, get your affairs in order, all that other stuff. Talk about it. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I've had, you know, several people come to me and say, I want to do this or want to do that. And one of the fun ones was Debbie Oaks. But she came to me and she wanted to make the Olympic team. And she was going to ASU. And, uh, and she was a good shooter. Uh, you know, one of the best we had in the country. But, you know, she wasn't good enough to make the team. Right. And I said, so what are you willing to do? She says, just about anything. And I said, okay. So I took a yellow pad of paper and wrote down a list of things that she's going to have to do and the first one thing on the list was quit school and she read that and she says i don't think my parents are going to allow me to do that and i said well i says debbie i know you and i know how you are and it's hard for you to think of more than a couple things at once in your life and i says one of them is going to be guys <laughs> because <laughs> you're a good looking young lady right sure. and and the other one has to be archery right 
So if you have other things going on, like college, like all the things that would distract you, all right, it's not going to happen. So make up your mind. And she came back about three days later. She says, I'm going to quit college. I'm going to do this. And she made that team and she won a bronze medal in the, in the team round. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I thought was, uh, you know, there was some interesting things happen in that. Uh, Melanie Skillman, who was mm-hmm. on that team with Denise and, and, and Debbie, um, during the, the final deals, they were shooting for uh, the silver medal. And um, uh, they, uh, she missed an arrow. And which happens, you know. Sure. And, and they ended up winning bronze. And Denise is 14 year old girl in the Olympics, right? It was a big deal. And when she walked off the field, you know, here's, here's a reporter stuck a mic in her face and says, what do you think about, you know, you, their most experienced and oldest girl on your team or lady on your team missing an arrow costing you the silver medal? What do you think she said? I, I've heard this story, but go ahead. Yeah. You she told said, me this story. She said, you can't think of it that way. Yeah. This is how, how, how mentally straight she was. She says, you got to think of all the good arrows that she shot to get us there in the first place. Yeah. And just put that reporter right down, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, she was ready. You know, uh, she worked with Tim Strickland. And he had her ready to shoot. And she she did. She, I mean, she was unbelievable, right? Um, so it's it, it's things like that. And it, it, if you have things going on in your life, uh, you, you have a bill that's past due or you, you got health problems or you're going to school or you're having problems with your wife or your girlfriend or both. I mean, it, it could be anything like that. You're never going to shoot to your, your, your the best you can do. You'll shoot, you shoot okay, but not the best. Right? I completely agree. I'm not... Your subconscious knows. Oh yeah, absolutely. The subconscious is what shoots the arrow when you're doing it right. Yep. Right. Your conscious mind can only think of one thing at a time. Yep. Your yep. subconscious can think of a million things at once. Yep. All right. Just like right now, you and I have been sitting here talking, blinking our eyes, and breathing. And that's yep. all subconscious, right? Yeah, I I will say I will say that, and, and Grayson is definitely uh, Grayson Partlow. I I don't know if you've met Grayson or know of Grayson. yeah he he definitely shoots like if there's anyone i know that shoots almost in the conscious mind all the way through it's grayson however grayson will admit like his his release isn't the best and he admits it and i think it's because he is so like that's the way he started from like not the beginning but damn near close and he has he stays in that conscious mind, like literally right up. And I always call it the switch that where you, you turn the switch from conscious to subconscious, in my opinion, in barebo, that switch has to come later than an Olympic recurve. Like you have to, you have to stay in a, a little bit longer. Cause you gotta, you have to let that aim happen. And in, and in barebo, 90%, 95%, I don't know what the percentage is. Like people don't let the aim happen because the panic gets them and they, they want to get, and that, that panic is like the subconscious is, Oh, it's in the middle. Got to go. And then it becomes, well, it gets close to the middle and it's got to go. And they're just, they're thinking about the wrong things or not thinking about them at all. Um, 
you know, but like Grayson of anyone I know, he's probably the closest to, to staying all the way to the end. But he also admits like there's times where like I, you know, my release isn't great and I get some flyers and I don't know if that's necessarily why, but it's, he's one of few people that can make it work. I I can tell you that we shot for years and years and years without clickers. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk about that. That's, that's a good discussion to have because the same we have the same problems that you know, a barebow person has. A uh, barebow person is aiming with the point of the arrow. We have a target site, but we had to pull back to the same place. Right. We had to hold that point at the same place. You couldn't creep forward or pull back further or whatever because it affected where it went. And when you're standing there shooting 90 meters, you know, if, if it moves just a 16th, you know, oh, yeah. all over the place, all right? And so we learned to get to a certain point and then, you know, and and we wanted that shot to be a surprise. Okay. We didn't want it to be a, uh, a physical, I'm going to let go of the string now. Okay. Sure. We wanted to make our mind up of, okay, the wind's blowing, you know, right to left. I'm going to aim here and this is where I'm going to do it. And you'd come to full draw and, when it was right, the shot went off. Okay. Yeah. All right. We didn't consciously say, okay, now let go. No, it was a subconscious thing. Sure. Okay. Yep. And, and um, it, it, it's, it, I don't care if you're shooting a clicker or not a clicker, it's hard to do. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's difficult to do bearable. So, Recently, I was working, this is not too long ago, I mean, a month or so, a couple months ago, I was working with one of my shooters out at uh, an outdoor range, and he was, you know, hadn't been shooting a lot outdoors, and but he's still a good shooter, right? And I couldn't understand why he wouldn't shoot in groups. I mean, this guy is a, you know, he can shoot 330s, you know, he's a 660 type shooter, and he's like, got him going everywhere. And I go, what's going on? He says, ah, I haven't shooting outdoors. I see, yeah, no, that's not it. You know, when we were walking back from the target, I noticed he had uh, an ear thing, an earphone in his head. Yeah, earbud. What are you listening to? Music? Music? And he says, "Well, I'm not listening to it when I'm when I'm shooting." I said, "No, what do you listen to?" He says, "I'm listening to a podcast." And I says, "Oh, okay." So we get back to the shooting line, and he got all ready to go. And I says, "Put both of your earphones in." He says, "What? Put both of them in." All right. And I says. Now turn that podcast on and pay attention to it. He says, okay. And I said, just shoot. Every arrow was in the gold. We get down to the target and he says, is this legal? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not when you're on the line. Not when you're on the line, but it's a training aid. Sure. It teaches your mind how to use your subconscious. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And we say in our seminar, and you know, I still profess to this, is that you anchor your shot with one conscious thought. So now you have your conscious mind involved with one thing. And this is all they can think of, right? Sure. Right. And let the subconscious shoot the arrow. Now, what happens with people is they get their conscious mind going in what I call a chain. So you're thinking about, okay, I got to get a good release. Is my bow hand relaxed? Is my doing this right? Is my point where it belongs? Am I doing? And pretty soon they have five or six things going one right after another in their conscious mind 
right? And their subconscious can't operate. That's oh, when yeah. you do those yeah. bad shots, right? Yep. So um, in, I've tried this podcast thing with several of my people, right? Yeah. And without, without question, every one of them is like, is this legal? <laughs> <laughs> because what they're doing is they're paying attention to pod. It also worked with, a, with an audio book. It does not work with music. Music is something that becomes background. It doesn't right. occupy your conscious mind. Right. Okay. But it works with anything that you have to pay attention to. Okay. Right. I'm listening to a podcast. I want to hear George Tekmachov or whoever or, or Frank or whoever. Yeah. And, and I'm listening to this. I want to hear what people say. And But I'm shooting. You already know how to shoot it does not work for somebody who's working on all their form and everything sure. that's obvious but if you're if you're a good shooter you're having some mental problems and you're not being able to perform like you you can do in practice right this will train your mind to do it subconsciously and it, it's fun it, it's yeah. crazy i think it, it makes fun. sense yeah 100 i think i think it definitely makes sense um you know there's and you're you're right people do you know, you try to teach people to have confidence in those things like, you know, your make sure you're setting your hook the same every time, setting your grip the same every time. But people sometimes have a difficult time moving on from that task. And, uh, you know, and I guess that's where that subconscious can you can you, that subconscious comes in. You have to you just have to know the feel of it, too. Well, you know, you have to right. understand what the feel is and, and be confident in that feel. Well, it, it, it's muscle memory, yeah. simple, right? You, you go through the process of shooting arrow after arrow after arrow, and yeah. you build up muscle memory. And the, the, the funniest thing is the first article I ever remember writing for a magazine was called Practicing the Bad Shots. Now, this is the late 70s, early 80s or something like that. And, and, they, and what it revolved around was, you know, basically, if you want to learn or progress quickly all right all right you see somebody that's going to practice they go out to 70 meters and 90 meters they throw up a target and they go back pick up their bow set their sight and start shooting okay what percentage of your arrows are perfect form wise not target wise what what percentage do you think there are frank oh um percentage repeat that question one more time You're what shooting. percentage are what perfect i mean you go back oh, there perfect oh jeez yeah. pretty small yeah i'm gonna say 10 percent, maybe that's yeah. about right. okay. yeah all right so you know what we're doing is standing there practicing bad shots yeah oh yeah 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 because only 10 percent of the time we're good so that's when i come up with saying well if you go up and shoot blank bail yeah. and close your eyes yeah now what percentage of your shots are good yeah 100 percent, almost if not almost. If damn near close i i you're you're preaching to the choir on that one dick i say the whole time but keep going but anyway so if you really want to improve your shooting quicker build your muscle memory all right you do it that way yeah and once I you agree. get that down to where you are confident in your form and your equipment and everything else and you've progressed up the ladder to where you know your shot that's when this podcast thing will work yeah uh, like i agree you're not thinking about your bow hand or all the rest of that stuff right everything else is there 
All right, now you're just training your mind to turn off the conscious and work on the subconscious. Yeah, so I've always said, and I say it in my seminars, and I actually said on the podcast with Matt Zernzak on The Push, I talked about like maximizing your training per se with with shooting drills like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's some people who say like shooting drills don't help with target panic, but they might not help directly with target panic, but they, they, they help with the shot process so much. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have to shoot, if I want to shoot 500 arrows um, before this tournament, you know, I'm just using a number. Well, if I shoot 500 arrows and 10% of those arrows are actually good, that's not a really good training. But if I take that 500, and I 50% of those arrows are blind bail and 100% of those blind bail are good. That's 250 on a scale of one to 10. That's 250 really good arrows, actually, which is actually, better. You know what actually, I mean? Actually, it's blank bail. They're, uh, well, uh, blank bail, blind bail. Blank bail is, and a lot of people get bored with blank bail. You yeah. know, that idea of, of you know, and, and I'm like, you don't understand. Like there's, there's an amazing carryover there. Do it anyway. So- the first time that that I really watched this work on somebody, it was this girl, Terry Pacho, that I started when she was eight. Uh-huh. So she, yeah. She was 18 or 19. She hadn't shot in three or four months. And she says, I think I'm going to go to shoot the Nationals. And I says, Terry, you haven't been shooting. You haven't been practicing. She says, but I'm going to go anyway. You know, that's because she was Jay Barr's boy or girlfriend at the time. And Jay was going, you know, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to shoot blank bail, nothing but blank bail. I want you to shoot as many arrows as you can every day, 100 arrows or 200 or whatever, blank bail. She said, what about my sight settings? I said, you can get sight settings when you get there. I said, I just want you to work on your form, shoot blank bail. She said, all right. So, you know, she did exactly what I said, went to the nationals, got her sight settings and beat everybody. I believe it. I, I, I listen again, preaching to the choir on that one, like blank bell to me is one of the blank bell and blind bell. So I, I delineate between the two blind eyes, closed blank, no target. That's the way I no. describe it. But. And if you go that, to work, if you go to a world cup, yeah. world championships or yeah. any of that stuff, right. Yeah, they've yeah. always got a uh, bail set up so people can practice blank bail. Do they really? Oh yeah. And if you go there, you'll see, every european team in there in the mornings and the afternoons warm up warm yeah. down okay yeah and 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 i tell my people that if you shoot in the wind and you and you go through a windy day like you would do at ben avery or one of these places sure. the first thing you do is go over and shoot blank bail get your form back yeah. before you even take your bow down all right yeah because it, it can mess you up all right but you go to any one of those tournaments and you'll find that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I, I again, it's something I grew up with. Um, and then working with Larry wise through some stuff, Larry's a huge advocate for of it. Um, wow. I know you are, and it's one of those things that with all of the kids that I teach as much as they can't stand it, I implement it. Now there's a philosophy, the way I implement it, but you know, it's still, it's, again just like we talked about it's it's an easy way to shoot high quality arrows it is it it, it builds muscle memory quickly yep and i and before the night before every tournament if i have the ability to do it 
and even the day of, if I have the ability of, I am shooting one or both of those the, the night before. I am The last thing I want to do is shoot as many perfect arrows as I can without wearing myself out and saving energy yeah. for the next day. So, but yeah, no, that's, dude, that's, that's such a great little nugget um, of, of this discussion because the people don't do it enough, especially, especially in Barebow. Like Barebow, I love Barebow, but sometimes we're just so, the community is almost a little too laissez-faire about, ah, we're just having fun. We're shooting archery. And then, you know, there was a little bit of a discussion about that in the Facebook group the other day. But we try to say, like, say to people, like, you can still be super, and Demer and, and Grayson and many others, you could be super competitive. It's not that you necessarily, like, for you to wait to get as good as those people by just shooting arrows, you're going to wait a long freaking time. <laughs> if you want to expedite that journey, you need to get your ass to blank bail and practice and shoot as many high quality shots as you can. And you can't just stand on a shooting line and try to fix it. You have to do other things to help build that callus and become that. Otherwise you're practicing bad shots. You're right. So uh, I, I, I named this episode the wrong name. I should have ma- named it that practicing <laughs> bad shots. Maybe we may, we may end up doing a part three. I don't know, Dick. <laughs> This 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 conversation's going pretty good. We might have to do. Uh, I'll have to send you that article. <laughs> yeah, send that to me, and you know maybe we'll um, we'll we'll see what kind of feedback we get from from this podcast. Um, we've been going at it for a while now, so I think we'll uh, we're, we're going to kind of slowly dive out of this one. Um, but I could see us definitely recording another one. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'll do some some videos demonstrating giving you credit obviously on like the balance balls and explain to people what they are and 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 show them and i've i've done videos before with them um but i haven't you know i haven't done them in a while and i'm glad i'm having this conversation because i'm like you know what i'm going to do tomorrow like that's what i'm going to do so um but we'll go from there and and i think just like all of the having those videos with casey that just made this even better being able to see that and have that discussion and talk about like that natural, not just the natural shot cycle, but the natural finish too, which is mm-hmm. something that I talk about, but I don't know if it's ever been explained in that way. And I just think it was, a, it's a, it's a great approach. Um, yeah. But, I, I think I told you I worked a little bit with uh, Chrissy Lyons. Yeah. Right before Arizona cup. She's, she's a brave soul. I don't know if I, I worked with her too, a little bit back in right before, she came to PA. I think it was born before nationals last year. Um, but yeah, she's, she's not afraid to try a new thing or, yeah. or, you know, she's, she's very open-minded about what she's doing and, you know, and she shot well, she shot well at Arizona cup. I know yeah. she's capable of more, but she definitely shot well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. she's a good, egg. she's a good egg. Um, Interesting to see the, the, you know, see her face when she actually, you know, pulled the bow correctly and shot mm-hmm. it correctly and it was you know it was completely different you know it's like oh this this isn't this is different you know oh, it definitely is yeah. yeah well i mean i told you when i took your seminar um you know remember when i talked about how much pain i was in yeah and and that had all started literally like 
two weeks after taking my level four, and I'm not talking down on NTS, uh, please, for you people no, who listen to this. No, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. But I am saying what I'm saying is, is that I'm a, I'm a big dude. Um, I think mobility may have played a role in it, but the idea of that coiling really um, left a mark in my ability to, to utilize the coiling aspect of NTS. And I think a lot of adult archers probably have the same issue because at, NTS is definitely, definitely works better in my opinion for like a younger, more agile person. That's, I don't know how else to say that mm. for me, it didn't work. And I, and it, that's one of the major reasons why, because yeah. you take an older shooter, you take someone that's, Maybe it doesn't have the years of, of all of that motion happening. Um, Cause NTS full on NTS was complete change for me yeah. and it felt great at full draw, but it just, I, I had a hard time making it um, repeatable. And then I developed pain from, from that coiling action. Like, I mean, I'm talking like to the T what coiling looks like is what I was doing. Um, and then we talked about my draw cycle and worked with you and within 12 arrows, the pain was gone. Yeah. And then eventually it came back, but I think that was a long standing. I kind of went back to my old form a little bit and I ended up having to just give it a rest and drop weight and do what I, what I should have done the first time. Um, but I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, how does it go away that fast? So, but it, it's, it works. It works. There's no, there's no question about that. So we still, we still got to have a session of getting you. Yeah. Well, we got, I have to get you when you come, if you come to Pennsylvania, cause I, I don't, I, it looks like we're going to try and do a seminar first part of October. October. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't want to wait till then. You're sure you come, you're not coming for nationals. Oh, I'll be there for that. Yeah, maybe, I think, maybe I think, um yeah are you gonna just come in for nationals and then bounce and go I'm back not, i'm not sure you know that's um, a long time away <laughs> what's that that's a long time away i, don't well, I didn't know if you were going to come to lancaster first well i might okay I might. Yeah. because i know um there's been discussion about doing a 50 meter bare bow seminar heather asked us to do a, a bare bow seminar yeah. at Lancaster and if we did it, it would probably be like we try to set them up like the week before a big tournament so if people are coming to Pennsylvania for nationals they can come in early go to the seminar then go to nationals we do that you know we're doing our seminar in in California um the week before SoCal do you know what I mean so but you know, so maybe, maybe if you come in then we can, and we can chat about some of that, maybe get together and do a session. And, and I might get up there some other time before that too. If you, know. if you do, I mean, obviously we text actually pretty frequently, just shoot me a message and let me know and we'll, um, and we'll go that route. But, you know, and I think that's another thing that gets, that gets me, we're talking about, and about the idea, like you have all of those other things going on. The first, when I first started Barebow, like I, I came out like a tear. Within a year, I was shooting like 530, 540 indoor scores. Within two years, I was consistently 
practice scores were were 540 550 even in practice Mm -hmm. indoors and but then this the podcast started and while i in the beginning it was just very like the podcast was not as organized and whatever but then as life started to occur and then you start coaching more athletes and then you start doing more podcasts and then you have a brick and mortar and then a job and a family. And I, I like, I started and I had this conversation with, with Grayson and, and John often like those things pull a piece of your attention all of the time. And it is very hard to shoot at the top of your game when you are in that type of a position. And it, that is probably the most difficult thing for me to deal with because I still have a competitor's mindset. But you have so much going on in your subconscious. That you can't oh, my through. gosh. It's great. Grayson says it to me all the time. He's like, dude, I don't know how you do it. And frankly, sometimes things suffer because of it. If it's not my shooting, it's something else. It depends on where my focus goes. But it's, it is so hard. And so for the rest of you out there, like understand, like it, if you – have other things going on in your life and the only reason i'm emphasizing this is because i'm saying it so you don't let it happen to you if you own a business if you you know have family stuff going on if you are thinking about starting a vlog or a podcast even or whatever like understand that that those things will always weigh on you if you're still trying to be a competitor have your mind in the right spot It'll affect your shot for sure. And, you know, that's the first thing. Get your life together. Yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard. But, Dick, thank you so much for being a guest um, for the second time. I get, I'm guessing we're going to definitely do a, a, a third. I just I foresee a third coming. Um, I don't know what it's going to be about yet, but it was just every time I do a podcast with you, man, it's just so much fun. And there's so many, there's just so much positive information, good information, things that you have a, a, a very, um, a professional way to explain to people what they need to hear. And, and I appreciate that. So uh, for those of you out there, there's, there was, we had uh, our friend, Justin Hewish was, was, was watching um, Joe McGlynn. He, Joe McGlynn must have been listening. He commented, "Good, Joe. I just want to give you a shout out, man. Excellent shooting uh, at to make it to the, the finals." Uh, I, Joe, I shot against Joe in the past, and he's such a good dude. And I'm I'm so happy to see him still doing so well. Um, you know, he's been in the in the sport for so long. You people need to get up and see him in New York City. Um, that guy at Pro Line, he's uh He's our, he's an all right dude. Check him out. Um, and a couple others. We got a couple of people. We got Ash, uh, Ash Dave. She's, she's on her, her daughter, Amelia comes over for the classic. I don't know if you, I might've introduced you guys. I don't remember if I did or not. They came over from, uh, from the UK to the classic and some other people, some, some regulars, but no, no, no questions or anything like that. Just everybody was watching and listening. So Jay and I did a, about an hour and a half at the classic, you know, kind of going through some stuff and, and uh, that seemed to go over pretty good. There were, I see a lot of people afterwards that were there that I don't remember, <laughs> you know, uh, did you guys, did you guys do a seminar? Yeah. Just an hour and a half. It's yeah. really hard to shove everything into an hour. Yeah. And a half. We, John and I did one on target panic and, and it yeah. was, we, 
you know, it was, yeah, you're right. You're, well, I mean, they're, they're free seminars for people to attend. So it's, you're not going to get, it, it's so hard to put so much into such a little bit of time. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Um, but we, we do our best, you know, yep. your seminars is, is worth taking though. So for those of you out there, um, if you decide to come for Dick's next seminar, I don't know, maybe I'll come down and, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can chat, chat, uh, in October. If you do one in October, if you do one before, um, maybe we can add a, a we can talk some barebow with it and, and go from there. But, uh, you know, I will tell you that they fill up quickly. They do. Yes. The second seminar. The first one took three months. The second seminar took 12 minutes to fill it for 32 people. Yeah. I, I signed up when Rob, I think Rob texted me. It was like seminar open back up. I was like, save me a spot. And then I, cause I couldn't get, I couldn't register right away. And, um, but it, it worked out. I was able to get registered right away and, and take it. And, you know, it was, it's money well spent. And it, honestly, when, when you have people like yourself, just essentially just giving out information, like in this podcast and willing to talk to people and, you know, I don't mind spending the money at all for archery education. It doesn't matter who it is in some, in some regards. Um, if it's someone, if it's someone like in, in your, at your status and the amount of years in the sport, like, that's what I appreciate. That's where I'm just like, you know, you've been, you've been in the sport and in a, for a long time, even though you had a little hiatus, um, you know, and then to come back as a coach and to do the things that you're doing and still continuing and flourishing, I think it's amazing. So people check out those seminars for sure. Um, are you going to do another one on the West Coast or no? Um, not not this year, I don't think, unless it's later in the year. Um, we don't know. We did that one in Salt Lake and, and it was really good. We had 42 people in that one. <laughs> Way too much. But uh, I we need to do another one out here for sure. Well, maybe, maybe we need to, uh, maybe you need to do a coaching certification deck. What do you think? Yeah, we might do that. So. Well, let's talk about that. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that off, off camera. We'll talk about that. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you for, um, for logging in, checking us out. And this podcast recording is over. See you, Dick. Have a good night. Enjoy the rest of the masters. Talk to you later. See ya.